Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and we are glad you have joined us again today. Today, I'm very, very excited. Uh, I have not only a good friend and colleague as a guest today, but we also have another colleague and friend uh, in the studio. So two, two phenomenal people, two phenomenal performance coaches that care about the profession are here to join us today. Uh, Coach Andrea Hootie who just joined the University of Texas in August. Coach Hootie, say hello to everybody today. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for me. I know you're in season and busy. Thank you so much for making time. And uh, Dr. Phil Wagner with Sparta Science is joining us. Say hello, Dr. Phil. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Coming in from from California. When did you get in? Uh, I got in, uh, yeah, yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Good. Well, welcome. I know you've been to Austin. Texas lightning coming in, yeah. (laughs) Has Hootie got you barbecue since you've been in? What has she done? We, oh. we drove by Franklin Barbecue. It was okay. closed, though. Okay, it was closed. All right. Well, to-do list, to-do list. That's right. Um, so today, again, just excited about our guests. I know if, if any of you out there in the performance world you should know Coach Hootie and, and uh, Phil Wagner with Sparta, if you're, you're involved in, with technology. So we'll get into all that in a second. A little bit of the objective of the podcast, just for those new listeners it's the team behind the team concept. We're just going to get into the different buckets or streams of performance today, the model that's current trend in athletics, strength and conditioning, sports science, uh, nutrition, athletic training, and mental health or behavioral health is kind of the five buckets. Uh, and I know depending on each person, you may wear multiple hats in your role. And so we want to get into what makes uh, each team successful. How do you manage and operate and deal with some of those challenges in today's world? So I want to give a little bit of the career highlights about Coach Hootie and Phil as we get into this. First, uh, Coach Hootie, again, her first season at Texas. Prior to Texas, she was the assistant athletics director at KU, uh, where she worked directly with uh, men's and women's basketball and oversaw all sports there. Very successful uh, career at Kansas. So, Coach, we're glad we we could kind of steal you away. So glad you're here. Uh, Before that, she was at UConn where she claimed definitely oversaw uh, men's and women's basketball, right? Um, had a national championship with soccer. Eight national championships at UConn, Coach? Eight, yes. Eight, so yep. very, very successful there. So uh, been named National Strength Coach of the Year before, Impact uh, uh, Achievement Award with NSCA. You're an author. You've uh, you've developed multiple, many, many uh, NBA drafts. So, Coach, phenomenal career. Glad you're joining us today. Uh, Dr. Wagner. A um, little bit about Dr. Wagner. Got your start in strength and conditioning. We share a common bond, uh, EJ.Crease <laughs> at UCLA. So that always holds a dear place in my heart for me and you uh, that I worked under Doc as a young coach and that you did too as well. So we have that influence. Uh, was a was an athlete, played football, was injured. A little bit of your story, we'll get into that in a minute. But that kind of drove you out of strength and conditioning more into what can you do to risk, to, to drive down the risk or mitigate the risk of injury, which has led you to, you're, you're the current CEO and founder, correct, 
Correct. of Sparta Science. And I've been to his facility out in Cali, going back to Cali. Yep. And uh, thank you so much for having the volleyball team in that, that year. And uh, it was a phenomenal experience to see just how you're managing and uh, getting those athletes in better shape, not just to be stronger, but to be healthier. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the name of the game today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll let you guys kick it off. And my first kind of deal here is like, just introduce yourself. I gave some highlights. Uh, Coach Hootie, we'll start with you. How did you get, kind of roll us back in time. Where did you start? How did you get into strength and conditioning that led you to here? Give us the little the, the short Yeah, short I think version. my family was the first uh, Fear Factor competition. Um, so I was the youngest of five kids in an Irish Catholic family where we were teachers. The Everybody ended up being teachers, traditional teachers, and um, everything we did was competitive, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, watching TV and then you'd, you'd run to the refrigerator and grab water or something. We would time it. We timed everything. We timed lapped around, or laps around the house and whoever lost had uh, a consequence and whether that was... Uh, running up and down the stone driveway with your bare feet, um, eating an onion like an apple. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it was... It was <laughs> you guys had some fun times, Coach. Yeah, Gosh. it was fun, but it was also, you know, there was always a consequence yeah. to the competition. So being the youngest, I was always trying to play catch up. My brothers and sisters were um, college athletes, so they were training, and I got involved in it and just wanted to be a part of what they were doing competitively and, and training-wise. And um, then I was a college athlete, and Frank Costello, uh, one of the fathers of strength and yeah, conditioning, was, a yeah. Uh, yeah, um, was my college strength coach. And then Dwight Galt, uh, who's at Penn State now, yeah, was my strength game. coach. Yeah, yeah. And um, <clears throat> I thought I wanted to go into corporate fitness or fitness or do something. I never thought I wanted to be a coach. But when I got into corporate, it was like uh, not my style mm -hmm. at all. I wanted to be a part of a team and um, develop relationships and, and have an impact on the people that I was working with. So uh, my first true position was at the University of Connecticut under Jerry Martin, who's a mentor or was a mentor. And... Um, yeah, worked for three Hall of Fame coaches since, and uh, like Phil, being an injured athlete, you're you're driving your career to have people not be injured because they're mm -hmm. they're pretty traumatic um, things going on. Exactly. And, you know, I think I was hurt when I was fourteen or fifteen, and I, I look at I look back and you you think about God, what if I wasn't hurt? Things would be different, but. I can't change my history, but can I change what could happen in the future to somebody else? So uh, I think that's where my connection with Phil has been just solid. That's the foundation is that we were both hurt, and you want to prevent that in people. And then when people get hurt now, and, and the people that I'm working with, you internalize it, and you're like, oh my gosh, what could we have done differently, or could I have done differently for that not to happen? Quick little point there, and we'll get to you, Dr. Wagner, but you made something that made me uh, think of something. It's pretty interesting to me in our career and profession, or even just in life, oftentimes the things that cause us the greatest pain becomes our passion. Mm. Yep. And it's really Absolutely. a key to your assignment mm -hmm. because you care so much and you do research on it and you figure out the problem with that so that you can add value and help others. So. Awesome. Well, and yeah, now you look at it and all the ACL research out there, you know, that was my first injury mm -hmm. uh, since I've had my knee replaced almost a year ago. Um, but you look at all the ACL injury data and 
research and what's causing it. And it's like, man, there's still no answers to it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's sport in itself. Just, I think, what was it I read years ago? Your percentage of injury goes up significantly just by playing a sport. Yeah. Mm. Just because of the, the intensity of it. So Yeah, the exposure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wagner, mm-hmm. give us a little give us a little history. Lead us up to current yeah. day, where you started, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, like Andrea mentioned, you know, my I guess passion began being injured. You know, like like um, Andrea in, in playing sports. Uh, and for me, I think my experience is the way my brain works is a little bit more mathematical. And so I figured, okay, the more work I put in training wise, the more I started getting injured, and that really was concerning for me because I would work hard on rehab or training, yet the outcome would actually be the same or in fact worse. And so really kind of driven to figure out, okay, in this equation, it shouldn't be working like this. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of led me into strength conditioning and and really loved, um, you know, being with a team and, and helping athletes and figuring these things out. But I also saw you know, a, a need that I could fill from a medical standpoint to elevate that field of performance um, because it is where the real battleground is. Battleground's not in the rehab, the battleground's in the prevention. And so how can we kind of gather um, the evidence and the community to start elevating the folks that are working within that, um, that are, you know, really truly trying to help people that are involved in sports. And that's kind of what led me to to, to form a company that supports universities and, and performance staffs with this idea of like, okay, let's let's try to identify using data quickly, um, yeah, how we can make, yeah, individuals as healthy as possible. Training has changed like so yes. much, right? 100%. I, I, you made me think of when I was playing, I played ball at Georgia, and back then, if you didn't you know, go heavier or go harder. More is better. Well, survival of the fittest too, right? Like it's just, yeah. Well, the term was like back then you were mentally weak. You're soft. (laughs) Yeah. You know, whereas today, you know, it's kind of like we want to, we want to lower injury of risk, but then how do you kind of keep that toughness too? Absolutely. So I think there's a, there's a challenge. There's a fine line there. So hundred percent. So for sure. Yeah. That undertraining versus overtraining. I think there's been so much, uh, you know, media and 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 awareness around overtraining, mm-hmm. but you know, undertraining is just as bad. You know, and that's mm-hmm. where that softness or that lack of mental resolve, mm-hmm. you know, can develop. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, go back a little bit, kind of, kind of got both of you in the studio. You know, I first heard about Sparta um, through one of our baseball coaches here uh, years ago. Uh, Lance Sewell was here, and. I know Coach Hootie, just following you through the years and the respect I have for you, I really popped up on the radar with you first. You kind of got my attention. Yeah. Uh, Phil and I met in Germany mm-hmm. for the yeah. first time. and Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. 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 For yeah. The f- but I had been trying to chase it for years before that, um, yeah. and I didn't know Phil, and I didn't know anything really what was going on. Uh, a friend told me about force plate technology and, and maybe – predicting injuries or trying to prevent injuries. And I had worked with force plates in undergrad and grad school. And so it became really intriguing. I was chasing it, but I didn't know where to go because I didn't have his name and all this stuff. So anyway, uh, we were on a trip with Adidas and um, met in Nuremberg, Germany. How in the world did that happen? I know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, right, But right off the bat, the first minute I met Phil, I was like, 
It's yeah, on. That's good. How was she coached when you first met her? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when, when we first met, I was just blown away at the, uh, I think, the level of passion or empathy yeah. that we talked about, like, of like, hey, you, you had this painful experience that, you know, fires that passion of helping um, somebody or something in some way. And and we connected right away off that shared experience of we just wanted, if, if people want to be active, we just wanted to help them be that way, particularly athletes, um, just based off our own experiences. Yeah, so it was a powerful connection right away based based off empathy, yeah, if anything. I think it's cool today you see, you know, again, we're talking, this podcast is all about the team, but you really got, it's about the quality of people you have around you. Absolutely. To do the job at the high level. You cannot... That's the law of, of, of significant, uh, the law of significance that John Maxwell talks about. Like one is too small a number to achieve greatness. And I, I mean, as we get into this world we're in, as it's growing and changing and speeding up, you really do need a team around you of, mm. of great minds and great people. So it's a cool story. I, I never knew that y'all met in Germany. Yeah, it's a reason to travel right there. So yeah, yeah, and I think you know, to your point of having that right team around you, um, from a uh, we were a small, small company at that point, and I was afraid to grow. And we actually hadn't used it outside our four walls. And Hootie, um, just as both a friend and a colleague, you know, pushed me outside my comfort zone to get outside our four walls, which I think that's the other importance of having that team around you, a team within a team, as you mm-hmm. say, you know, as you have those people that hold you accountable and, and push you into things that um, you're you're afraid to do if you didn't have a team around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because I, looking back on it, I remember sitting in the airport in Frankfurt and I was like, no, we're going to work together. <laughs> he was like, but it's not ready. I was like, no, we're working together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're going to make it work. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, that's what you want in a team, right? All you right. want somebody that's to right. yeah, push you. help push you and make you better. That's yeah, right. That's right. Go back into a little bit, each of you, uh, maybe Coach Hootie, 26 years in the business. How's it changed? The training and is it different? Is it is we it? Are we still better? Use, we still use the same exercise selection. Yeah, right. Um, it's just a little bit more uh, pinpoint focus on when, where, how, and what intensity. And I don't even know if we still do it the right way. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah, and human body's amazing, right? Yeah, mm. we always talk about uh, you know what's your philosophy, and it's whatever works, whatever makes them better, and. Um, that changes all the time. It changes during the season. It changes in the off season. Um, Coach, what would you say? So today, the one thing I've, I've just noticed, and I know you have too, you can quantify internal load, stress, right? How has that changed the training? And I, You know, all I ever wanted was somebody to care and yeah. somebody to ask me how I felt. Somebody and, and to feel really good when you compete. Um, so if you don't feel your best, you, you, if you feel good, you play good, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think asking somebody how they're doing. I love it. Yeah, you got to. It's <laughs> like, holy cow, that's a novel idea, right? Um, I'd rather that than any data, mm-hmm. really. But mm. the data kind of holds you responsible to what we're doing. Yeah, it, it kind of gives you more education or uh more information of what you did and gives you feedback on how you can adjust, right? And I love what you said right there about just the connection with people. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say face-to-face time beats FaceTime all the time, right? Mm-hmm. 
I'm thankful for phones and technology, but face-to-face time is always the, the human element. I've actually been getting away from the technology, yeah. like phone-wise, and it's helped me as a coach not being on my phone. Hmm. So that helps. Yeah, you get more connected and to the instinct and, and all that. So, yeah. What have you seen, Doctor? White, training-wise, I know you travel and you definitely yeah. visit with coaches and see different yeah sports and levels and organizations. I think. Yeah, technology, um, for the most part that we're seeing, it's it's not all positive, you know, because people can emphasize it so much that they forget kind of the basics, uh, particularly when it comes to coaching, you know, Hootie just mentioned of like, how are you doing? You know, because if we're looking at data and numbers all the time, um, that's not the entire story. I think the other piece with with data is, is and technology is just making sure, too, that if we are gathering information, ultimately – it should act like a decision tree in that it should guide or support decisions as opposed to just light up colors and and mm-hmm. and just are interesting. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's where the, the trend is gone. But I also think now there's a little bit of a rebound in technology, which is good in that now um, people are realizing, hey, if we're not really using this um, to make better decisions, we probably don't need it, um, which in any innovation – in any industry, that's kind of what happens is there's an initial rush and people bring lots of stuff in, then the bubble bursts and it's like, okay, well, we don't need some of this stuff, but we do need, you know, these things. And so I think it's the state of performance technology we're in now is where the bubble is starting to burst here where people are saying, okay, well, we're only going to do the stuff that actually matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get too too wide in, yeah. your, in your, your range with what you're using. Yeah, and that's the term we use too. Depth is so much better than breadth. Because yeah, you yeah. can get lost. Like you can. just say, you really can. You can get lost searching for the forest. The trees are right there right. With using too much. Yeah, or trying to explain every single thing rather than just being comfortable knowing, you know, a few strong aspects, the big rocks rather than the sand. Yeah. Yeah. What about each of you, uh, Coach Hootie? How have you... How have you dealt with sport coaches that maybe are a little resistant or kind of, you know, very skeptical with implementing some technology? Kind of what's been your experience with that and maybe approach to kind of get a little bit buy-in? Yeah, I think the sport coaches have been great. I mean, having technology in, uh, as a recruiting tool even separates mm-hmm. you from other schools. Um, but... I think with the coaches knowing that the intent to make performance and health better um, using technology, they've all bought into it, right? There's nobody that said, no, we're not doing that, that I've worked with, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just a matter of, do you have enough people to interpret the data, understand the data, look at it and follow it? So I've always had great experiences with technology. Yeah, Yeah, and I I think it's, you know, depending on the sport and if it's it's pretty the novelty of if it's really new or hmm. and what I you guys understand this if you've had a coach that's had a bad experience with yeah. something they tend to be like let's just throw the whole thing out right yep and so I think that's um, what I've seen too is is maybe at first something's so new and maybe they don't understand it completely and it doesn't go how they anticipated, they may kind of throw it aside and not realize the good benefits of it. The technology that we use, though, are are pieces that we make decisions with. So they're in the weight room or the sports performance center. So we use Elite Form and and Sparta, and 
how many people can you say that have had and used the same technology for almost 10 years? Mm -hmm. And we've done that. Yeah. Yeah. And consistency, I think, in any technology is is important because what we're all looking for is trends longitudinally because we're all a certain way on different days or weeks. But if we can see how that changes over a long time, you know, that's really, I think, where the where the field starts to provide a lot of value technology-wise is when you can get access to the trends of an individual, um, you know, the ups and downs and what, what actually causes those. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to, yeah. to your point too, Donnie, about um, sport coaches may have been burned almost in the past with technologies. I think that's kind of the area we're in right now is a lot of folks have been burned by certain technologies. Yeah, everybody's had great you know, right. success like Hootie. And that's Sue Hootie's a, she yeah. can sell it though too, right? Yeah. That's, that's personality, no, coaching, that's relationship, that's leadership it. that brings it in. 100%. It comes down to education, yeah. right? And the, the performance staff has to educate each other and administrators and athletes. Hey, here's why we're doing this. And here's the value we think it's going to help you. Uh, and I think that's the, uh, the landscape right now is we've got to be pushing education, you know, of mm -hmm. all the different people within a department. Yeah. And I think, uh, Hootie, to, to your point, the thing I love is that you've got to be a real good coach too, a teacher, once you get that technology right. I'll tell you the difference of uh, what has happened over the last 26 years is we worked with every athlete like yeah. you, like Phil, and those are great reps, mm. teaching reps. We were on the floor eight hours a day. Yeah. And this is the first time in 26 years that I have to worry about two teams, mm -hmm. and that's it. So you're talking almost 30 athletes, and most people now come into the profession, and that's all they're worried about is 30 athletes. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you guys, I wish we could get you more reps. That's a that's like yeah. a, a getting a doctorate, right? Yeah. And just coaching what 100%. you just said, and that that's invaluable. And I mean, I, I had a conversation with uh, a, a young man. Look, he's young. He's in his early 20s, trying to get in the profession. He's only worked with one or two teams. And I was like, yeah. you need to get more hands-on experience with other teams. And yep. coaches, like they, uh, like, they don't understand their job descriptions anymore. Well, am I supposed to be working with them? I'm like, if you want to be a better coach, just coach. Mm -hmm. I don't care who it is. Yeah. Jump in. Let's go. Yeah, and the nice part about the university environment, right, is there's obviously gender differences and, and – uh, and sport differences and all these different cultures within one umbrella, which is a great exposure for training as a coach, as a young coach. You get all these exposures that you couldn't get with a professional team or, or other, you know, aspects. And, yeah, just dynamics of working with humans and all different types of humans and who you have to be to fit in and lead that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do think, though, part of what you said, Coach Udi, was – Hasn't the game hasn't changed as far as kids want you to know? Do you care about me? Absolutely, right. And there's a there's way more distractions for coaches today, hmm. sport coaches, than it can can kind of be a hindrance to that relationship. And uh, I love the the one the one quote I've always used is rules without relationships equals rebellion, yeah. right? And so you you want to enforce rules, but do you have that relationship? You know, do you know their background, what, what makes them cry, yep. what makes them mad, what makes them happy? Do you know that person uh, somewhat intimately uh -huh. and how to motivate them is huge. So yeah. uh, shifting gears a little bit here, topic. This is one of my favorite, Coach Hootie and Coach Wagner would love to hear your take. Career path, hmm. 26 years, Coach. 
Um, you've definitely reached a, a high point, a pinnacle. You're not done yet. I'm not saying that. Make no. I don't know if it's a pinnacle yet. Yeah. You're still going up? <laughs> it's it's up and down. <laughs> That's right. I like it. That's right. It's like periodization, right? <laughs> Talk a little bit about what has been um, some key factors for you getting to where you're at today. Talk, speak to, to speak to that. Um, probably learning how to deal with failure and being persistent and having grit. I mean, that's kind of how I grew up with my childhood mm-hmm. and competition and wanting to compete, um, wanting to try to be the best and, um, having a passion. But I would, I, you know, I think today too, some people struggle to find their passion, but I, I liked your quote about, uh, would you say your pain is your passion? Yeah, I think you, you find things that really hurt mm. you, you know, whether it's physical or even relational. Yeah. You know, going back to that, my family was very broken and dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You know what I love today? I'm passionate about my family. Mm. Yeah. Because I was hurt growing up and I've, I've gotten over that, but yeah, it's big. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think finding your passion, uh, having integrity, um, having persistence. What if somebody's listing, really struggling in this career, they've been fighting, grinding, as everybody says, you talked about grit. How do you make it through those tough times, Coach? Well, I would ask one, why? Why are you struggling? And um, try to figure that out. And um, How'd you get through your tough times? I know it's not been easy. Every day is tough, though, I think. Um, Every day I fail. Every day is tough. Every day... You make bad decisions, mm-hmm. uh, and you just try to reevaluate and correct it. Yeah. When Phil visits, it's always questioning <laughs> what we're doing, you yeah. know, and um, and why we're doing it. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I want questions. I want to be questioned because then I question myself and grow. It, and I would add on to Hootie's, you know, career path just from an outsider watching, you know, now that she's in a new place, I also think one of the things that that's led her to this place is is how outgoing she is at creating relationships within the organization she's at. I mean, on the way here, right, she stopped, you know, one of the field workers, the guy that's working on the field, reintroduced mm-hmm. herself, said hi, said hi to a fellow coach, and then also said hello to, you know, an analyst walking by on the street, a data analyst that works within the athletic department. Yeah, so I think it's, it's so like, cool, yeah. you're right, it's that that's really deliberate attempt to connect, you know, with others in the department, you know, to have that shared mission. I think that's a big piece to her growth, but I think anyone's career growth, I mean, you've done the same, Donnie, you know, so I think, yeah, yeah, that's a big piece of advice too for people that are struggling. I think they struggle sometimes because they look inward and only inward rather than accessing that team around them a lot of times because people are willing to help more often than not. Yeah, I I love to say – I think Donald T. Phillips, if you've never read any of his books, he's got incredible uh, books on leadership. But he talks Mm -hmm. about how Martin Luther King Jr. would walk slowly through the crowd. It's management. Management walking around. MBW, management by walking. Hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of like you're never in a hurry, right? You you, you want to stop and get to know people and and make – it's a community. At the end of the day, it's a small community. And people, when you you get to know people – and like Hootie said, you how are you doing? What just I think even knowing somebody's name today is huge. Yeah, and uh, it goes a long way with people. I walk away when I don't know somebody's name and I feel bad, and I'm like, oh, 
and you wear it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do anyway. It's good. It's good. It shows you care for sure. So um, career path for you, Dr. Yeah. White, talk a little bit about coaching, kind of how'd you make some of those transitions and things you had to consider? Yep. What were some thoughts there? Yeah, I think went into coaching really this desire to kind of help others avoid injury. Um, and then I got in the, the football carousel of strength coaching, which means like, Keep that carousel. Yeah, keep that go bag <laughs> so ready, true. right? Which keep that keep have? that go bag ready because every two to three years, it's like, going up and down. Yeah, like, you're, you're going, going somewhere down, else. <laughs> and I think the thing that was, uh, I guess, revealing to me at that point was like, man, I'm I'm tied to something that I have very little control over, um, and wanted to like be able to provide or investigate how data could help, um, you know support strength conditioning performance coaches um, because so much of the work is preventative and how do you actually put a number to that to show the value they provide mm-hmm. and that kind of was what led me into more the the business realm of setting up a technology company is like okay this is obviously important injury prevention and push into my hands is probably not a good test that we should be using in the 21st century for sending people to the moon and we're measuring joint strength by pushing into my hands like kind of messed up there right so mm-hmm. it's like how do how do we get data and technology to give um, coaches more validation and insights into how to do their job even better than they're doing now and that's yeah i guess for a career path kind of um but empathy was the underlying theme whether it's for the athlete or performance coach mm-hmm. that's the underlying theme for me on my career path at least good yeah, yeah. now we're all i always say our paths we're all different in how we get to where we're at and I don't know if there's every, ever like the same. Right. And it's kind of it's always intriguing to me to see how we navigate through those those different areas. So definitely, you coach. Do you coming to Austin? I've known you for a good while now. You've been such a, a help to me and a mentor and a, and a colleague. Just glad you're here to see that. Well, what um, was your career path? Yeah, mine. You know, I was. <laughs> I was. Uh, mine was uh, similar. I mean, I got injured in college my senior year. Had hopes of playing the NFL and yeah. completely dashed. Went through a pretty long season of depression hmm. and battled that and almost fell out of school. Got my stuff together, so to speak, and finished school and went back to the thing I absolutely loved, which was the weight room. And got my first internship under Doc yep. at uh, Colorado, which... I won't say too much about that internship, but I was doing uh, <laughs> things that you probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, personal, doing more personal errands and stuff. You could laugh yep. at that, Doctor oh, Wagner. Yeah. But uh, yep. those were the old days, Coach Hootie. Yep. We don't do that no more. Right. HR is listening, so. Yep. Um, so I got cut my teeth with working with every sport: cheer, palm. Uh, we worked with back then skiing. I worked with rugby, coming in from all over internationally, and I just had was thrown into this kind of cauldron of sport and, and training. And uh, we at that time, Issa had just started, and we'd had Dr. Fred Hatfield, who passed away recently, would come in and lecture, and Dr. Charles Staley. And so I was in this kind of hot spot that all this cool stuff was going on and just kind of soaking it in. And then was there, worked into a full-time position there and came to Texas in 98 uh, to work with football. But it, I've always just loved working with other sports. And so I've always been a guy that I always wanted another sport mm. because I always learn more from that sport coach and the challenges of the the needs for each individual that made me a better coach. I felt like I was growing. Yeah. 
And so that's always been a passion of mine. So that led, I did that and kind of got into some things here, working camps, being director there and internship program. And uh, again, some of the technology kind of came about and moved into a director role in, in where I'm at today. So it's been a, it's been an interesting path. Uh, I think the one thing kind of similar to you guys, I just love working with people. Hmm. And I think that still drives me. And if I can't work with people, I'd be miserable. I would be absolutely like a caged animal. I would not like it. So, yeah, it's kind of how it happened for me. Cool. Next question. So thanks for asking, Coach Judy. Yeah. Um, what's in the future for performance? What do you guys see coming down the in the, in the, in the near future, five years, um, innovations? Yeah, what do you I see? think uh, for the future for us, I, I recovery mm-hmm. um, and maybe not so much time in the weight room. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we always talk about, okay, well, you increase strength, but does that help you in performance? And does that hurt you in recovery? So I don't know whoever came up with the, uh, the rule that you had to work out for an hour. I don't know where that came from. But with Phil, we were looking at lowest dose of medicine or exercise mm-hmm. for maximum results. Uh, and, and we talk about Icarus all the time, flying as close to the sun you can, as you can without getting burned. So where's that sweet spot? Great and analogy. What's, yeah. what's underprepared and what's overtrained? We want to avoid both of those things. And yeah, you, cool point there. That's what got me into performance, really. I had overpowered myself playing mm-hmm. ball because all I was doing was lifting. Mm-hmm. But my 40 went down, mm-hmm. my explosive, my, my performance dropped. And I was like, what is going on here? And that was really kind of problem solving mm-hmm. that kind of led me to that. So I had the same experience as a football player. Yeah, I put on, I think, about 30 pounds when off season, got so much stronger. I remember showing up at training camp and I was a DB and ran a 40. And I crossed the line, and the shock on the coach's face, I was like, wow, I must have just crushed that. <laughs> and, you know, he yeah, turned around and showed me a 4-9. You <laughs> know, you a 4-9-40 as crushed. a defensive back, which means like, hey, you know, the equipment team needs some help because your career's done. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, but that was, yeah, I agree. Out of the weight room and figuring out what you need, which might be more on the field stuff, might be more, you know, flexibility work. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> But then you know, then you're like, okay, well, are we, are we, are we getting ourselves then out of a career path if there's less stuff in the weight room? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's all about the term. I think the performance term is is more fitting in that regard. You know, because if you're performing at a higher level, yeah. you might need more conditioning. You might need more strength. You might need more flexible oh, I, yeah. recovery. Everybody's yeah. different now. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you said. The yeah. innovation is not everybody needs to be in the weight room the same amount of time, yeah. but some may need more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very, yeah, definitely getting get it dialed in, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, a strength coach or a performance coach, the, they're athletes that can lift the most. You want to see them clean the most, right? But that might not be the best thing for them. I heard a guy, uh, Gary Schofield, made this point a couple years ago. If you know Gary, he's a great uh, strength coach. Um, works in the high school arena, but I, I thought this analogy, kind of to piggyback off you, Hootie, sometimes. Oftentimes the kids that love the weight room are not always the best on the court or the field. They probably need a little more time on the court, a little less time in the weight room. Those that just love the gym and they're just so gifted may need a little more time in the weight room. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an, an, an interesting Absolutely. insight. You yeah, we... tend to do what you're good at. Yeah, yeah. that's it. What, what I'm good at, I'm comfortable. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. 
I, wor- I worked with a professional baseball team, and, and one of their catchers uh, physically was was off the charts, mm-hmm. um, at least from a data standpoint, and his force production. And one of the things that we sat down with him and talked about was this exact point that, like, you know, if you want to be a better baseball player, you know, at what point do you need to do less in the weight room? And so he was astute enough to actually change his where his time allotment and instead of going to the weight room he spent more time watching film on pitchers and now he's an everyday catcher in the MLB and it's because he was put his ego on the weight room aside and go, okay if my real goal is to be a better baseball player that may mean less weight room more video on my actual sport that's good yeah, yeah. Good, good realization he came yeah. to yeah and that's where I think the value of data is it can just be a simple decision tree like that mm-hmm. you know if X then Y yeah and that's what we're doing with the catapult now. It's like, okay, well, just because somebody has a high load number, that might not be good. Let's get let's get them out of the gym, and then let's put the people with the lower load numbers in the gym, right? And mm-hmm. and get them more, more practice. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Yeah, I see that you can you can just quantify it, and I think that's interesting. Coaches have to really. They got to face their training plans now, and that's hard. Yeah, and we've not been able to do that, right? Mm. But you know, Coach Smart here, he's absolutely awesome and wonderful. Looking for the feedback, yeah. And I feel like we're we're getting better, just based on reading the data. That's good. I mean, you guys have definitely uh, been doing well here recently, and congrats on that. So we are definitely well. We got to keep it rolling. Yeah, one at a time, Coach. <laughs> one, one at a time. time. <laughs> one at a time. Um. How would you guys both kind of define this this podcast, the team behind the team? How would you define or describe this approach to team performance? How would you define or describe that yourself? I like team performance better than high performance. I do, yeah. So much yep. better. Because high performance, you get lost in the weeds. You can't do it at a universe. It, in in my opinion, it. in my yeah. opinion, it's hard to do. Not that you can't. It's hard to do it in a university setting with so many different teams and philosophies. But the team behind the team, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot because there's so many. You're juggling so many balls in the air, and if you have good people that are willing to care and uh, understand the goal, then that's awesome. That's good. That's good. A uh, good definition, coach. Yeah. I like team performance, mm-hmm. not high performance. That's a good point for what the about, university setting. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think team performance is, um, you know, kind of as you alluded to earlier, it's that balance between, um, you know, the toughness, which a lot of times come out of that camaraderie, but then also the individualized approach, um, which is what helps elevate one individual's performance. To me, it's that team performance is the melding of those two aspects because ultimately you're playing as a team, so you have to have that toughness, that camaraderie. But at the same time, each individual is so different, using technology to make sure that that's targeted um, in a very surgical and effective manner. It's good. What about, um, you made me think, so we're kind of looking at these this team performance model, the the, the positives, the, the good in it. What have you seen, Coach Hootie, feel? What's some challenges, some cons? I just think communication is the biggest challenge. That, yeah, it's big, I right? always say no matter how much you communicate, you're always under-communicating. It depends on how people give the information or receive it. You never know what people's experiences are and how they communicate. So um, 
I think that's the major goal and just making sure that we put the athlete in winning and athlete health. Centric. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy if you can get a team of people that understand that. Yeah. I I think the quote, and I can't remember who, I love quotes, but it goes something like this. When you get to a place in your life, when you don't care who gets the credit, there's nothing you can't achieve. Right. And I think that's, that's a change. Hmm. You know, kind of where they've always been this like one person's in charge of everything. Now you've got all these great minds at the table. And it may change who leads at different times, but you're pulling in the same direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We we won the other night on a buzzer beater, and that might have been the most fun in the locker room that I've had. The videos in, are awesome. <laughs> in a really long time. And that was everybody having a joint effort. And, you know, obviously the guys competed and the coaches coach, but gosh, that was so fun. I was so proud. And it was the ugliest basketball game you could probably imagine. But we won. And the, um, that was kind of like the pinnacle of my career so far at Texas was that win the other yeah, day. You, and it was so fun. They'll stay with you, right? You take yeah. those with you. Yeah. They're lasting. There was water dripping down off the, <laughs> the ceiling. I mean, everybody was bouncing around. And I would just went. I didn't. I needed to make sure nobody got hurt. Like nobody get hurt. Right? I've, yeah, at some point, yeah, I've seen that years ago. That's yeah. You want to let's not get injured in the celebration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tweaked my ankle. Go. He's out. No. But I was me. so proud for everybody with our team, from yeah. Amy Culp, the nutritionist, uh, the athletic trainer, Leif, and just all the support and everything that had gone into that with everybody working together. Uh, I, I was. I was super proud. And I love the the quote too. It's like we're not really here to compete against each other. We're here to complete each other. Yeah. You know, we're we're it's win win. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's kind of what I hear you saying. Correct. Yeah. And, just, and even uh, Travis and and, yeah. and you know the data science like um, trying to keep us from being underprepared or overprepared and periodizing practice. Like mm-hmm. it was. I was super proud of everybody that big time got coach. into that. Yeah. Yeah. Baby steps. A um, little different topic from both of you. Just quickly. Hiring coach, you've led departments for years, hiring staff, Phil, you've started your own business. We've had some of these wonderful talks Mm -hmm. about personnel. What do you look for when you hire somebody, coach? Good people. You can train them in anything. Uh, I think my take is a little bit different, being a woman in a male-dominated field. I just want to hire somebody that's assertive, assertive enough to come up and shake my hand and introduce themselves. I hired Elise Rodriguez because she facilitated our meeting and pulled up a chair. She's a go-getter, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know Elise. I didn't know what she knew or whatever, but that was the only reason. Yeah, we appreciate you looking out for her, too. She she had incredible experience there. Appreciate well, you. Jan Todd emailed about her, too. Yeah, so that helps. Kinda... That's just a small legend there. <laughs> Coach Todd. That's a good story. That's um, good. But yeah, I look for people, people, for sure. That's good. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I think that's probably, at least as a CEO, the area I've struggled with the most the last few years. Um, uh, just just assume that everybody was going to come in and work hard. And I think for me, the values of a, of a sports organization or a company, um, at least the way I was raised, were more uh, what you put on a T-shirt for your football team that off season, you know, yeah, like only the strong the survive. Right. <laughs> and it was just some sort of catch line. So rah, I never, rah, rah. yeah, I never respected, <laughs> I never respected values or mottos because of that. That's just kind of the, the way I was exposed to them. 
And now after hiring and making some mishires, I really appreciate values um, as a core, you know, aspect of how you hire, you know, and, and you want a diverse and very inclusive org, but there's some values for each org that you have to decide these are non-negotiable. Like these are what we're about. We want people to be about those things from different areas, but we can't ever sacrifice those. And that's been a big lesson for me on the hiring front. Um, and you can't have obviously a long list of values, you know, a few, you know, for, for us, you know, we, we stole the, uh, I think it's a Dos Equis, um, guy thirsty is, is one of ours, you know, stay thirsty, my friends, like oh, somebody's like curious, <laughs> you know, that's, that's key. You know, the other one is purpose, you know, um, back to our comment of having that passion mm-hmm. usually comes from pain. And then the other one we look for is trust, you know, is this a teammate that you can trust to help you or to delegate things to. Um, and so we kind of rely on those three values when we hire. And that's been a big shift um, for us. Yeah, core values, it's interesting, right? I mean, Hootie kind of hit it right there too, like you did, good people. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're in a coaching profession. If you don't care about people, yeah, what are you doing in here? That's right. And, and there are coaches out there that don't care. Oh, no question. They have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And they'll step over whoever they got or own whoever they need to to get where they're going to get. And you look at core values. I think you go back to hiring. On paper, somebody looks awesome. Yeah. But they may be a, they may be have the the credibility mm. and the professionalism, but they may not have the internal character right. to work for you or for your staff because they don't care about people. Yeah. They don't have the core value, and so when they come in, hey, great, sharp. Very smart coach, but not good coach, but not the best fit. Yep. And I think that's the part that sometimes is hard to to uh, to figure out. And I love the the behavioral interviewing stuff that's kind of going on. Of uh, I was listening to something uh, yesterday on just hiring about instead of doing uh, interviews, like giving somebody something a task to do and see how they work through that task. Oh, I'd, I'd, let's coach a team. Yeah. yeah. Just and, here's your interview. Yeah. Let me see how you interact and. See who they say hello to or see what they do. Do they, you know, place a piece of garbage on the floor or see if they pick that up? Yeah, it's good. You guys, <laughs> you know? yeah, that's, uh, leave it down there. <laughs> yeah. Right? They didn't get it, coach. Passed, they failed the test. <laughs> yeah. It's how you interact with the, uh, I guess, the, the people maybe outside of what you're in. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um I got I got one question too, Hootie. I've been dying to ask you. Um, no, this is this is one that uh, you know. I'm a dad <laughs> of four daughters, and you know, being uh, the strong, successful uh, female, um, talk about our profession. Some young female strength coaches that are out there. They're listening to this. They're looking up to you, Coach. Um, what are some challenges maybe they're going to face and uh, how would you help them navigate that career? Yeah, I, I think we touched upon it a little yeah. bit yesterday, and you touched upon it today. It's like you got to know who you are, and how do you know, or how do you figure out who you are? And Phil said it, you said it. You got to understand what your core values are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think from Phil and it, whether those aren't just Phil's corporate values; those are his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you True. know. So um, write it down. Like write three and put it on your phone and go back to those and don't care what anybody else thinks about it. 
stick to who you are and stick to how you want to run things because women tend to care what people think about them. They do. I mean, especially with social media, but right? But guys do too. Yeah. I'm not, it's yeah. anybody. It's, but we're in the, we're in the age of how many likes can I get? Right. Mm. You Which, nailed it, coach. If you care too much about what people think, you won't ever do anything. Yeah. No, and you know, the social media stuff, like if somebody says something about, you know, something that I put out on social media, I'll call them. I'll, I'll be like, well, what do you want to talk about? Like, don't attack our program with a 20 second clip of what we do in the weight room and question what we do and you're not in it. It's like a fan at a basketball game. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't coach, you know, you're not in it. How can you... Zero context. Yeah. How can you judge what's going on? So I'll call people. They'll say, I can't believe you called me. And I'm like, well, why not? Let's talk it out. Mm -hmm. So I I would say be your own coach and and be the coach that you want to be. Be the coach that you you want these kids uh, or that you wanted. Authentic. Yeah. What about a more seasoned coach transitioned? Career transitions. What's been kind of your thought processes as you've made transitions? What are some kind of like mine personal transition? Yeah, personal kind of um, as you've gotten older. I would still say the same thing. Same. I'm not going to change who I am. Uh, do I need to fit into the environment? Yeah, I'm not going to change my philosophy. Really, if you're changing your philosophy, then you got to really think about you don't things. Know who you are, yeah, right? As a coach, yeah. Or standards, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think too. As you know, as I've gotten older in my family, I've, you know, you you definitely you just have better, I think, perspective. I think things that maybe used to bother me when I was younger, not a big deal now. You just yeah. have a little bit more time and perspective and understanding of the big picture, and I think that's kind of helped me some. You know? Yeah, I still have those standards of be on time in the weight yeah. room, wear the gear, do this, that, and the other. But if somebody's not giving like the effort that you want, you're like, okay, why isn't that happening? What's yeah. going on? There's something going on, yeah. Underlying, yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. We're almost at the end of our show here. Uh, real quick, just professional development. What do you do for professional development? Uh, we'll start with you, Phil. Yeah, I think the probably the the three. I guess if we were to say three things, I mean, one is is talking with colleagues, um, networking, networking. Yeah. You know, and sometimes that networking word gets it's it becomes a bad word. Like there's no. You're just trying doing it to gather likes or like connections or um, or but use I, somebody right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I think it's so much more about learning their perspectives because we're all learning at such a fast pace I think these days um, so that's that's by far and away the largest one I think the other piece is is reading um, reading books um, yeah love to read yeah about just different because again you're getting different perspectives and. Uh, even especially if ones you may not agree with, um, just to see where they're coming from, um, you know. And I and I and I'd say the 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 third one is is continuing to try to, um, I guess, define you know what what you want to get out of your time, mm-hmm. you know, on this earth because that's the biggest limiting factor for all of us is time and how you spend it. Um, I'm constantly reevaluating every week what allotment am I spending. Um, in certain areas, because ultimately your life is just an accumulation of how you've chosen to spend your time. Um, and I think from a professional development standpoint, that's huge. That's good. Coach Hootie, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I would like to read more. I, I, I'd rather experience things, you know, um, 
and go out. Yeah, Yeah, that's who I am. Again, I would love to read more. I just, I wish I could. (laughs) I wish I had the discipline to do it. It's not for everybody. Yeah, it's not. um, But I would rather go out and you know experience it than than read about it. And then yeah, networking, speaking with college colleagues, and if I had questions on anything, just be willing to call anybody up and or go visit them. Yeah, I mean, you've always had a growth mindset. Far as long as I've known you, so you're always you're, you're learning. You know, I think it's you've had some just phenomenal uh, teachers and professors oh, yeah. around you. Come right. Well, and career. Jerry Martin was yeah. unbelievable. Like the curiosity and the questions that he would ask or that we would ask him. I mean, you talk about different tangents you're going on. You know. And I think you know to kind of summarize that. I think you what I hear both you saying. You gotta reach out and intentionally seek people out. Mm. For mentoring and for just knowledge, absolutely, and just have stay thirsty to yeah. use your term and just have. Yeah, a that comes mindset. in waves, though. Too, yeah. you know, this is the first time that I've been able to really sit down in twenty six years and really focus on one thing. You know, so awesome, coach. Right. So yeah. it's like it's been a breath of fresh air to not have to juggle all those sports and all those athletes and oversee all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been nice to come in and as a with a bird's eye view and say okay well this is what we've done in the past what could we change here or what could we be better at here or what are they really good at or you know it, it's it's been a great experience learning experience for me but a lot of people would say well why'd you leave Kansas you had such a great thing there yeah we did but I, I wanted more challenges and you know it was just it's been a great move for me yeah, no, I know. I'm thankful. I'm I'm grateful that you uh you came on down to the five one two coach. Well, no, I appreciate everything you've ever been done. Yeah. You know, your doors are always open, and you guys are great. So yeah, we're blessed to have you here and fortunate. So glad you're in Austin. Well, hey, that that's gonna wrap up our time on the Team Behind the Team podcast. Our guest today, Andrea Hootie. Coach, thanks again. And, and Dr. Phil Wagner. We're going to sign off from here. Coach Hootie, give us a hook em today. Hook em, baby. Hook em horns. horns. And we're going to do this. <laughs> Phil list. can do it too now. Phil, Phil. come on. Phil. What did you say? Hook em? Hook em horns. Hook em horns. There we go. We've got to have a little more conviction, yeah. but we'll take it. We'll <laughs> take it. Yeah. That's the Kelly and me holding you back a little bit. That's yeah. all right. I know. Yeah, hey, no, no. Don't let him do that because he's got wingtips on. So yeah. don't say this oh, Kelly. Is wingtips? Yeah. Is that a Texas thing? No, that's like it. Could get you some boots, Coach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. I get some Red Wings or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We don't want the Californians to kick you out yep. from, from being in Texas, but uh, we got love for Cali. Yep. We love Cali. So, hey, it's been real. It's been a great conversation. Two incredible minds and two awesome people. The team behind the team podcast. Hey, we'll catch you on the flip side. Have a great week.
Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.